It's time for the Noble Capital Radio Hour with the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area and beyond. Featuring the Vice President of Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jess Hamill, and Financial Advisor, Jonathan Berkland. Here's your host, Walter Storholt. It's the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. It's Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland with us on the show today. You can find us online by going to ncwealth.com. And a quick reminder to you regular listeners out there, the show name is going to be changing coming up in a couple of weeks as the great team at Noble Capital makes a transition to a new show name and a new business name. Just be on the lookout for Skyline Wealth Strategies, the new business and the new show here on the radio. And uh, it's going to be the same great people, uh, same great information, and uh, same great content that you're used to, uh, just under a new umbrella. And uh, we'll talk more about that as the date approaches, but just want people to be aware. I want you to be aware that the show name will be changing in the near future. So just a heads up on that. Guys, it's time for another great show today. We've got lots of great topics to talk about and dive into in just a few moments. But first, let's talk today about the best of intentions. There's an old proverb out there that says, The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And sadly, the road of bad financial advice in many ways is no different. So I want to talk about some of the people in our lives who have good intentions but often give us bad financial advice. Have you seen this before with clients that come in to meet with you and talk about where they're getting their advice from? Oh, yeah. Um, Only too often. All the time. (laughs) My favorite is, you know, my brother or brother-in-law told me something. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, the real-world example, and I hope she's not listening right now, but I had a lady came in, you know, neck deep into the second appointment, and we were talking about annuities. She's like, oh, no, no, we don't want anything to do with annuities. I'm like, well, all right, that's cool. I always like when people come and move that because I want to know why. It's like, so what is your aversion to annuities? My brother told me never to get an annuity. I'm like, all right, but what does your brother do for a living? And I don't remember what it was, but it was nowhere, anywhere near you know, like an engineer or something. Nothing to do with Forestry it. service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, do you remember why? Did he have any reasons why? She goes, no, I just remember he said he didn't like him. I said, well, when was this? You're going to believe this. 1992. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? We're like, we're, we're going on, you know, two and a half decades, and that's, <laughs> and that's what somebody remembers that long. So, you know, a family member that thinks they know what they're talking about can implant seeds in your head that will be long-lasting and can at sometimes prevent you from doing things that are maybe in your best interest just because you trust the person. You trust the person because they're family as opposed to trusting a doctor because he's a doctor. Yeah. I try to tell people, you know, you wouldn't go to your doctor and say, no, my brother said for me to never take that medicine, so I'm not going to, even though I, I need it to get well. So we just try to get people to maybe take a grain of salt with the, you know, where they got the advice and think about the expertise of the person that gave them the right. advice and then, you know, rethink it. Yeah, second opinion's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, no, exactly. That's, that's usually uh, advisable. Go get a second opinion, so... Yeah, we talk about that in the seminar all the time, Bob Marley. You know? uh, yeah. What did he die from? Did he die from melanoma or did he die from yeah. not getting a second opinion? Come on, yeah, come on, hear that story. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's it's important that, you know, it's certainly we're not telling you don't believe your family members. You could have some very smart family members who have done very well for themselves or, or not. But at the end of the day, um, everybody kind of has their own personal opinions and beliefs, and that doesn't necessarily have to or need to reflect on somebody else's financial life. So. It's worth uh, taking the time to come in with whatever those thoughts and opinions are and kind of get them vetted out, but also have them applied to your own personal situation. You know what I mean? Somebody who says you should go out and buy a bunch of insert stock here. I mean, that, that may be a great plan for them and a terrible plan for you or, or who knows, but um, it's worth having it 
thought through and applied to your own situation um, and not just having them guess at what might be best for you because let's be honest, I mean, do you share all of your intimate financial details with every member of your family? Probably not. Maybe so, but most people kind of keep that kind of close to the vest. That's, so. that's a good point. Um, so somebody, how do they know? Somebody who actually might have a little bit of knowledge might be giving you advice on a situation that you are giving people the perception that's going on versus <laughs> what's really going on. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. That's a great point. I'm feeling really good about, uh, if people remember last week's show, the advice I gave my dad about, you know, hey, don't uh, don't just go to cash and sell all your stocks. Right. When he called to ask me that, uh, when the you know market had a big downturn, and I was like, I was smart enough to know uh, he was returning to me because I'm family, right? And he trusts my opinion. He knows I talk to you guys all the time, so I should have some knowledge about this stuff. But I said, look, I'm not the right person to talk to about this situation. I'd love to give you advice as a family member, but when I'm not qualified— Two, you and mom are pretty private people, so you don't tell me all of your details, so I don't know all your moving parts and all that kind of stuff. So you need to find the right person to talk to. But a lot of people don't take that step. You know, I haven't had – I've had lots of radio shows with you guys giving me these warnings of, you know, don't go just willy-nilly giving advice to people all over the place. And, uh, you know, kind of I stayed in my lane, so I feel good about having done that so that he can meet with somebody who's a qualified professional to help answer those questions. So – that's pretty cool. We love our families, but don't necessarily default to their advice on financial matters, especially with all the examples you just threw out of how people may be making those pieces of advice and decisions off of really bad knowledge. So great example of good intentions, bad advice. Where else do we see it in the financial world? Friends. Yeah. yeah I mean, friends that you know are always trying to, a lot of times bragging. Uh, yes. You know, yeah. I've, I've cracked the code on timing the market, you know, and then I figured it out and, and I bought this stock and it's just awesome. Yeah. Um, I would say at least 50 percent of the time that's I can't say the word on the radio, but <laughs> uh, inaccurate or not true. Um, here all that all the time. So, yeah. you know, take that with a grain of salt as well. That person probably does not have any more expertise on the market than you do. And he may be selling you a, a line that's not the case. Right. And I think the whole like keeping up with the Joneses applies more with, with friends than family even, right? You have to be – it's maybe something you do or don't do. But I think generally speaking, you know, um, the way that we promote ourselves to the world, whether it be Facebook or otherwise, I mean, we puff ourselves up a little bit more around friends than, than maybe we do family, you know, um, and kind of insulate ourselves a little bit more in that aspect. And so we see more severe instances of this, I think, with friends than with family, you know people latching on to some extreme uh, business endeavor or adventure that their that their friends on and is attached to or wanting to make sure that um, that they follow the same lifestyle patterns that their friends do in retirement and so on and so forth and sometimes you know you're not able to do that maybe you're, you're not in the same position that they are for better or for worse and again it just comes back to having that plan that's personalized for you and making sure the decisions you're making are based on your reality and not your perceived reality or, or that perceived reality of, of your friends that they have for you. Right. And even worse, um, you know, take into consideration, not, not for everybody, obviously, but think about the situations you're typically in with your friends. Okay. Golfing, drinking, dinner party, <laughs> drinking, out listening to live music, drinking. I so, wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean so, so you're at a dinner table. There's three couples, right? Everybody's trying to one up each other. A couple of glasses of wine into it and the words start flowing and getting less and less uh, truthful and then somebody says, hey, I did, a, I did great on this. Somebody's got to one-up them, right? So after a while, we're, we're nowhere near reality on this.
So just keep that in mind. Anything you hear at a dinner party after a couple of glasses of wine, pretty much discount it. But by the end of the dinner, uh, someone's admitting that they started Facebook. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> and have all the stock in it. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Like in that one movie where the guy said he was the real Napster. He went to school <laughs> yeah, with a guy who was right. taking, taking a nap, and the guy stole it from him. You know? That's right. That's right. There you go. So it's not always just coming from those who are closest, though, uh, family and friends. Do you see even financial professionals giving bad advice to folks, sometimes even if they have good intentions? Sometimes bad, sometimes just not, you know, knowledgeable or the best advice I see from CPAs. And, you know, not a bash against CPA. I actually love my CPA. He's really awesome. The CPAs are there to do taxes. And the majority of them are there to file tax returns. Yeah, follow um, the tax laws. Yeah. 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 I wish more of them would actually spend time, you know, giving tax strategies like we do when we're not even CPAs on Roth conversions or how to plan out a mixture of tax-free versus taxable income. But CPAs have sometimes, not everybody obviously, they, they have a, a pretty elevated sense of themselves because they're educated and they're CPAs and they think they're awesome. And they may be projecting that they have more knowledge about what they're talking about specifically than they actually do. Right, right. So you might you might unintentionally, as as their client, but also our client, let's say, put them in a position of having to to give feedback on some sort of uh, financial advice that isn't in their wheelhouse, so they're not licensed to give. Right. And so they they start feeling uncomfortable. They don't want to let you down, and they want they don't want to be perceived as not able to give this knowledge because you believe that should be in their wheelhouse. So they'll. They'll go back to a default of some generic bland response or they'll disagree with us or, you know, insert sort of excuse here instead of just telling you, you know, straight up, you know, that's not my thing. I do this. They do that. You know, go ahead and rely on them for where they are professional just because, like, we don't try to be CPAs, you yeah, know. exactly. Um, I'm not going to file your taxes for you. That's not what we do here. I will say I can give one example of the, the most severe example of what we're talking about here we had a guy came in here and he had over a million dollars in his traditional ira Mm. and his cpa told him just bite the bullet and convert all of it convert everything to roth all at once all at once like really like you realize that that he had like 1.2 which means 600 grand of that is getting a scalp at 37 percent like there was no strategy stepping into it he's like nah he said just you know you're gonna pay the tax anyway might as well just go ahead and do it and he did it he did it before he got to us so his ira went from 1.2 to i don't know a little over six Overnight, boom, gone. Now, yes, so it's tax free from there. But there yeah. How long is it going to take him to double that portfolio to get to make up for the tax that oh, would have man. maybe put him in a twenty-two percent effective tax bracket if he'd have doled it out over time? Yeah, and, and so many of those decisions need to be made made in kind of in tandem with the CPA, yeah. right? He, I mean, they can give they can only give you advice based on the questions that you're asking and information that you give them. So if you're not walking in there with some sort of you know retirement plan or strategy or you know intention you know in terms of trying to accomplish some task or goal right if you're just walking in there with an open mind looking for the best of advice that's not really what they do they they give you the best advice from a, a tax standpoint as it pertains to the IRS guidelines right. but they're not going to be there giving you all this glorious tax strategy at least most of them anyways to not just keep you out of jail but to enhance your your overall retirement picture it's just that's not generally the case so yeah. don't over rely on some of the information maybe that you get from your CPAs or at least at a minimum just cross check that with another financial professional to see you know indeed does that make sense yeah. um, and again we're not CPAs yeah, exactly. are trying and, to be and, and we're not slamming CPAs at we, all we I refer mean, to them all, all the time ask them questions they are the experts in that arena and we let them be experts in that arena and we try to be experts in our arena right exactly. and that's that's where we are open to um, you know having those boundaries up on both sides sometimes they let those blend it's like another doctor referring 
referring, you know, a podiatrist referring out the brain surgery to another another doctor. Be like, hey, yeah, yeah kind of. He's also a doctor. Like a, he's more a, like a chiropractor. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't don't take the levels of doctor there. I mean, okay, brain <laughs> surgeon has a certain connotation with it. So uh, an orthopedist uh, sending somebody to a gastrologist for a stomach issue. Like, all right, well, I deal with you know bones and joints and stuff. So go deal with the the guy who's got the um, you know the inner knowledge to somewhat use a pun there. Of uh, you know the gastro <laughs> side of things, so uh, great examples though, and that's a good discussion about being careful with the advice that you're getting from someone who's hey got this great professional approach, and they seem to have great credentials in the financial world, but is the knowledge and the information that they're going to give you appropriate for your situation? A lot of the times, it's not, and that's why you got to be careful there. All right, last but not least, I'll let you guys tee off on this one. Although you yourselves are part of this yeah. group, I was about to say, what about financial experts in the media? <laughs> don't, don't ever listen to anybody talking about finance on the radio. Yeah, definitely not, right? I mean, how can they possibly know? <laughs> um, you know, we, we speak in general broad terms on the radio. When you come in, we speak to things that are specific to your situation. Yeah. Um, so I think in that category, it's more pertaining to people that are, that are trying to disseminate specific advice on specific calls to action that are, you know, specifically tied to a portfolio across the radio waves. So one person talking to multiple people when you know that that advice probably only pertains to five percent or ten percent of the people that are hearing it. Yeah, yeah. Or you get, I mean, uh, there's the the Dave Ramseys and Susie Ormans of the world, and you know, think what you may about them. I have my personal opinions. I'm sure you do too, as is probably everybody else, kind of in this in this recording studio. But you know, if if you're if you kind of follow their tenets, you may or may not find success. You know what I mean? And so, take what you read there with a grain of salt. They're they're having to talk to a broad general audience too. And I think you can find some some nuggets there for sure that are going to work for you, just like you could anywhere in, in media as it pertains to any part of your life. But always realize that they're not talking to you, specifically you. They don't have intimate details. And I'm just talking to anybody in the media, not just those two now. Um, they don't have specific details of you and your portfolio and your goals and your objectives. And neither do we, quite frankly, which is why when we answer some of the questions that come into us, we have to do it in, in a broad, general sense. But you know, really where we're, what we like to do is get, get down on the details and, and spend some time with you to give you those insights and knowledge and put a plan together. But just, you know, keep that in mind. That's not what they're able to do over the, over the radio or in the media. That's not what they're trying to do. So think about that before you take that and just run with it, right? Just uh, think about maybe uh, getting a second opinion or, or applying it to your specific situation. That's exactly. all I can, yeah. I can say. Yeah, or whatever book you read or whatever article or magazine or whatever, radio. Apply it to yourself. It's common sense, right? So if you would like to hear more about what we have to say specifically in a group setting um, that can then tie more specifically to your individual needs, come to one of our dinner discussions. Um, we host these all the time. We'll give you a great meal. Um, you listen to myself and or Jaden talk for 45 minutes or so, depending on who's up there. And we will steer you in the direction of the way that we look at retirement in how to provide yourself with income versus the accumulation model. And from there, if you like what you have, what we have to say, then you can set an appointment and come sit down with one of the three of us, and then we can talk about something that's specifically tailored to you. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give a call to find out about the upcoming events, and you can get the list of events and RSVP by calling or texting 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Three eight zero zero, or you can reserve your spot online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. 
and you're going to come in, have a great conversation, some good dinner with Jess, Jonathan, and the team. You're going to learn about taxes and the annuity trap and the problem with investing as if you're still working. You'll see some great case studies so that you can see the planning in action as well. It's a great evening with lots of financial knowledge packed in there as well. And if you want to attend one of these upcoming events, do so now. Go ahead and reserve your spot by calling or texting 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Make sure you're well prepared for retirement by coming to one of those upcoming events. There's more coming up on today's show. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Hi, I'm a cleverly devised personification of Wall Street. I'm one wild roller coaster ride away from wreaking havoc on your investments. And I love to mess with your emotions. If you're not properly diversified, you can bet I'll keep you up all night thinking about me. If you want to keep me off your mind, you really need a trusted advisor who will look after your best interests. You also need a custom-designed financial plan that will protect you from market volatility. Otherwise, when I take a plunge, I'll send you scrambling through your filing cabinet, hoping you were well prepared. Don't wait for turmoil to hit. In the Austin area, reach out to the Noble Capital Wealth Management Team for help building a custom, comprehensive, and complimentary financial plan. Call 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or reserve a time to meet online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Austin's Talk 1370. Do you have a question for the Noble Capital Team? Give us a call at 512-492-3800 to get some answers. That's 512-492-3800 or online at ncwealth.com. Time for another mailbag question here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt alongside Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management here in the Austin area. And our question comes to us from Larry in Austin. Submit your questions online, by the way, at ncwealth.com or by calling or texting 512-492-3800. Larry says, I just heard a great presentation about investing in oil wells, and I'm ready to jump in. Just wanted to be sure I'm not making a mistake. What do you guys think? Larry, Larry, you know, it's that's there's no way to say if that's a mistake or not. It depends on, on what you're doing. Is that extra money that you've got on the side that you're wanting to try to hit a home run on, or is that stuff that you're planning on retiring on? Yeah, that's, I think that's what it comes back to is what does your plan look like? Do you have a plan that, that has your income solved for, and now we're just talking fun money, you know, uh, maybe it's going to be legacy money and you're not too concerned, your time horizon is pretty long on it, and, you know, if, if, if it uh, hits the fan, it's not going to be an issue, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to what they call our AOC, you know, that that would be a bad investment because the world's going to end in about seven years if we keep using oil. So I mean, that, I wouldn't I wouldn't base <laughs> it on that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, th- there's all kinds of alternative investments out there, and it's certainly something that we we kind of can help coach our clients on. It it really comes back to the plan, though. Like I was saying, 
you know, are those assets you're relying on for income and, and retirement purposes? If so, we might we might say may, maybe not. Let's let's make sure we have our bases covered before we we stretch out that far and take that kind of risk. Yeah, and you know, especially being here in in Texas, where you know we're so oil heavy in the industry, yeah, yeah. it's funny that a, a lot of people around the, the rest of the country think that that's all we do here. So you know, ride horses and yeah. you know, have oil well <laughs> yes, in our front that's yard. Right, that's right. Um, so it's kind of funny to hear a couple of uh, Texas-based advisors shying away from investing in oil as something that's primary or safe. Um, so we're not saying it's a bad investment. I just I don't think I would count on it for my retirement income. Yeah, not primary. Yeah. Yeah, and the other big factor there too. You just retired essentially, and you know now ready to just jump in after one presentation. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe come check out yeah, our, presentation our presentation first. Yeah, yeah. we might be able to lay lay out the the ins and outs of retirement a little bit clearer for you, and and, and help you put a plan together because um, that's that's not the way to to jump off right into retirement with all that hard earned money that you set aside. So take that into consideration. Thank you for the question, Larry. We appreciate that one. By the way, did I hear you just almost say there, Jonathan, Mike could? Is it, were you setting Mike up? Mike could. You, you, you might oh, could? I, I thought I heard that about to come out and you caught you, yourself. You, you might could catch me on that a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, might, I might this could. southern drawl comes out every now and You don't look at him and see a, a, you know, a Texas redneck by any stretch of the imagination. And not that he is, but you know, he still has those, you know, bless your heart and Mike could. Oh, oh my sure. goodness. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. You know, kind of comes out of him every now and then. I had a coworker once who said Mike could about uh, 72 times a day. And it was just, <laughs> it just that now. Now I'm tuned to hear it and be ready for it. So. Yeah, like John, and Jonathan's catchphrase around here is, is "Oh my goodness!" That's that's his nickname. <laughs> oh my goodness! I think you've said that several times on the show. Yeah, yeah. Oh my I'm goodness. sure I have. Oh I goodness. took him. I took him for a ride on a motorcycle. <laughs> First time he'd ever been on a Harley. We pulled out of here. I let him wear the helmet because he had to wear the helmet. And we're going on the road. It's a 25, 30 mile an hour speed limit, and we're going along. And I just I hit the throttle one time. And he said, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> Every since then, that's that's what we've uh, we've referred to him behind his back. And I told him that the other day, and he didn't believe me. And so Sarah walked down and said, hey, Sarah, what's Jonathan's nickname? She's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a term of endearment. Though. Oh, dear. Yes, sure. yes. It sounds to me like to work in the Noble Capital Wealth Management environment, you have to enjoy getting a, you know, a little ribbing here and there. So. Oh, course. yeah, for sure. At of least course. in this division. In, 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 the, in your division. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Anywhere in Jess's proximity, you gotta you got to be ready to take it a little bit and dish it out, too. So. Yes. That's right. Yes. That's, that's all right. That's what makes you guys a good fit. Well, oh, my goodness. That's another mailbag question in the bank. Uh, great question there, Larry. Thank you for submitting that one to us once again. And if you've got questions of your own, reach out to Jess Hamill, Jonathan Berkland, and the Noble Capital team at 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800 or online at ncwealth.com. Fishing is an art, and any fisherman worth his salt knows the proper tools to land a whopper. You wouldn't take a cane pole to catch a bass, and unless you're just looking for a tranquil day on the boat, you probably wouldn't use shrimp for bait on the lake. The same can be said of your retirement. There are all sorts of financial products out there, and it's important to know which ones are the right fit for you. A random jumble of investments won't do you much good in retirement. Work with an advisor who knows how to fish, who sees the art within. A well-crafted financial plan will go a long way toward making a successful retirement. Make sure you're putting the right tools in your portfolio. In the Austin area, reach out to the Noble Capital Wealth Management Team for help building a custom, comprehensive, and complimentary financial plan. Call 512-492-3800. 
That's 512-492-3800. Or reserve a time to meet online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Want to have a great meal on us and learn a little about retirement at the same time? Go to ncwealth.com to see our list of upcoming dinner events. You can reserve a spot right there online. Just go to ncwealth.com to RSVP. Come hungry. We'll see you there. This is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you through the Austin area. And for a couple of minutes on today's show, we want to talk about hidden gems in the financial world. You know, if you're like most people, you probably have some financial accounts that you haven't really paid much attention to recently. Perhaps the statements are just collecting dust in your file cabinet, but they might actually be hidden gems that you could put to much better use. So we're going to talk about some of these old accounts that people tend to ignore for too long and how we can maybe use them better. Jess and Jonathan, one thing that certainly comes to mind, I'm sure you see this all the time in the office, people come in with those old 401ks. They used to work with a company, had a 401k with them, left that company, but then they never did anything with that 401k. Why is that maybe one of these areas of opportunity? We do see that more often than you would expect, or at least more often than I would expect. It's one thing to leave it there and just never get around to doing something with it. But it amazes me how many people forget that they're there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, they're coming out. I think when I worked over at that one place, I think I have yeah. something there. Do you have a statement for it? No, no. Can you help me with that? Like, uh, Or you'll have the, go find the, the husband and wife team and, and the wife's going, no, I don't have anything. The husband's like, remember that place you worked 20 years ago? Did you have a 401k there? And she's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I did. Light bulb, you know? yeah. All of a sudden there's some money. And it's usually not... When they're forgotten and that old, there's not a tremendous amount, but I mean, I've seen 30, 40 grand sitting in one. Yeah, yeah. It's like People finding a totally forgot about. $10 bill in the washing machine. You yeah. Know, right. Do a load of laundry. Like, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So it, it does happen. Uh, that's, that's something we certainly uh, work often with our clients on is just really simplifying their financial life by finding all those, you know, accounts that have been lost or forgotten and trying to pull them together and, and put them to work. Um, unfortunately, on the 401ks, you know, uh, you typically don't have great investment options. You're, you're limited in scope and what you can do, and, and oftentimes uh, the fees are a little higher than you pay elsewhere to have that money. So don't forget about those. Certainly, uh, if you're not going to move them away, you know, into roll them into an IRA when you leave an employer, at least take a look and make sure you know you know, how it's invested and what fees you're paying and, and make the smart decision if you, if you are going to leave it behind. Uh, don't forget about it. Yeah, and my, my advice is pretty much the same to everybody. It's like, you know, as soon as you get out of there, roll yeah. it over. Take it over. Take yeah. it. You know, yeah. drop the fees, get more control over it. You know, if you've got an IRA at one of the big boxes or, or pretty much anywhere, you've got a lot more control and a lot quicker control. If you see the market starting to do something, you want to make a change, you're not having to go through a 401k administrator and submit an email and wait for a response and have them get with the custodian and do all that other stuff. So. It's usually a, a good idea to get it out of there. Once nobody's matching it anymore, you have no benefit. Yeah. There's no yeah. benefit to you of having it at that for at the uh, that place. That's a great point. The conversation of contributing to a 401k versus like an IRA really gets flipped on its head with the match because yeah, you want to take advantage of that free money, but once that disappears, there's so many more advantages into having full control over those plans, it sounds like. So, yeah, more efficient, better opportunities. And you can consolidate a little bit, too, especially if you've had multiple jobs. You don't want three or four old 401Ks sitting around. Roll them into one house, and just, it gets you much more organized. You'll just feel cleaner having all of everything under one umbrella like that versus scattered all over the place. It's a great point. Uh, another area where we find some hidden gems from time to time are life insurance policies, maybe ones that have been kept in the drawer for a while and do we still need those policies? Could that money be put to better use? Do you have occasions where you meet with clients and that becomes part of the conversation? 
We do. We have that often. Um, a lot of times they, they don't understand it or they've forgotten about it. You know, somebody's uh, grandparents bought them a whole life policy when they were you know, two years old and they've had it forever. And then they just don't think about it. They're still thinking of the, the death benefit realm. But a lot of times those things have developed some cash value that we can 1035 into another policy and take a, and a lot of advantage of, of tax advantages on it. Yeah, we find that it's one of those things where, you know, you, you take out the policy when you're younger, and you, you have kids, you know, the, the whole mortgage, all the normal reasons why you'd buy a life policy and you start paying those payments and you just get in the habit. Maybe it's on auto draft from your checking account. And you just forget about it. It's just one of those things in life you forget about. And so we'll find those often. And it's like, are you still paying for this? Well, well, yeah, you know, it costs me X amount every month. Well, why do you still have it? And there, there's generally not an answer that comes quickly. You know, it's kind of like, well, it's cause I've always had it, you know? Um, so it's, it's a good time uh, as, if, as you're looking at doing some retirement planning or really any planning of any kind, uh, to just take a look at that life policy and, and make sure it's still meeting the same needs you purchased it for. And if you either don't have those needs or your needs have changed, then maybe that policy needs to change too, uh, to, to really serve you better. And that, that's really what we look to analyze. How can we better utilize uh, that, that asset? Right. We're talking and about at the bare minimum just for house cleaning, you know, just keeping things straight and knowing why there's a debit coming out of your checking account every month is right, right. something that's going to benefit and, and I'm, I'm speaking to, to, to life policies with some cash value there, right? If it's just a term policy, then, then, you know, if the decision is you don't need any more, then, then we can let it go. And we're not going to renew it, that sort of thing. But if it's something with cash value, it's, it's really it's even more valuable to really uh, pay attention to and figure out if there isn't something better we can we can redirect those funds towards. Well, the one the one that's the most significant is when it's a an old school universal life policy, yeah. because the you know a, a whole life policy you're going to pay on it forever. It's going to keep developing cash value. Then you should have some in the end. The universal life policies kind of peak and start going the other way. So they're, they're designed so the cash value builds and builds and builds. And as your cost of insurance increases, eventually it starts tapping into that cash value to pay for it. And that cash value starts to decrease. So if you don't need that policy, there's no reason to just let accumulated cash value continue to pay something that you don't need. Right, right. And it's not always apparent what you have. So that, that's, that's another reason to, to bring the statement in and, and have us take a look at it with you is figure out what do you have and what's the need for it and can we do something uh, different or better or do we leave it alone? Yep. Yeah. We're talking about these hidden gems that might be in your statements or in your portfolio. Maybe these are the things that have been sitting around in the cabinet or the filing cabinet for too long, collecting dust on them. Old 401ks, life insurance, so far the examples. Guys, I'm sure folks also have savings accounts, or maybe it's a money market, or even a CD that's maybe not working as efficiently as it could that people have kind of just forgot that they were utilizing and investing in. I don't see that as often. Um, you know, people have you know CDs or, or some old savings account at a, at a credit union that they're not really maintaining, but they usually remember those. Yeah, yeah, I it happens from time to time. I think the the more maybe uh, relevant way to talk about it is just kind of in terms of, of return. So, I mean, I think we're all guilty of just assuming the rate's going to be, you know, point nothing, right, at, at our savings account. And so you may have uh, your kind of your short-term, a six to 12-month savings emergency bucket sitting at your, your most convenient bank where you have your checking account, but that may not be the best place for it. You might get one point something instead of zero point something if you had it in a different location. So sometimes having that on autopilot, kind of forgetting about it, while that's good in terms of making sure you're not just dipping into the emergency fund to, to buy that new thing you want, you may be able to do better by yourself by putting it somewhere else where you're earning a little bit higher return. Rates have come down, but they're still at a higher point than 
just 0.0. So you can go out and find some better rates than maybe you're getting currently in a savings account. So something to think about in terms of, uh, as we talk about, forgetting about things to do. I guess those accounts get out of balance over time, too. If somebody's been saving into a savings account just kind of automatically or on autopilot for a really long time, sure. all of a sudden they kind of look at it and it's like, wow, I've got not just six months of expenses in this account saved up, but you know, I've got a significant amount of money hanging out in here that maybe is, is getting dusty or, or that lazy money. We've heard that term before. All right. I mean, that's, that's not a bad problem to have as long as you identify it and do something about it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a good right. point though, right. Walter. I mean, if you're, if you're on autopilot into savings and maybe it's not going into the 401k or into the IRA, it's just going into the savings account. Um, at some point there is a such thing as just too much cash on hand. So you want to make sure that again, that the, those dollars are working for you. So even if your risk tolerance is super, super conservative, um, you can still do something more than, than a savings account and, and kind of earn that zero point nothing. So make sure you're, you don't have too much cash on hand, or at least make sure you know that you do at least don't forget about it. Kind of like Walter's saying, and, and make sure there's in a place that you need to rebalance and reallocate that too, to make sure you don't have too much. Cause that, that certainly is a thing. That's a great point, Walter. Last but not least, what about something like a, an old pension fund that maybe got frozen years ago and people didn't really you know, do anything with those dollars if they got put into a lump sum or you know, something along those lines? Is that kind of similar to the old 401k scenario where there's just a better use for those dollars? It's kind of stuck in an account that's not working as efficiently or gaining as much as it could? Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, that's, that's probably the more common one. You know, somebody... Somebody left, they had a pension fund, they meant to do something with it, they got their new job, got busy, and all of a sudden 10 years has gone by, and yeah, they've yeah. just kind of forgotten about it, and they might have twenty or $100,000 sitting somewhere. And a lot of times people remember it, but what they're remembering is, oh yeah, someday I'm going to have a small income stream coming out of this. So just be sure to remember that kind of thing. But, right, you know, right. but there's a lot of times where we can take it as a lump and put it somewhere else and make it perform better to a better income stream than what it's going to uh, you know, produce in its own specific way. Right, right. And I think sometimes it's it's just one of those things people just forget about or, or it's complicated. They're, they got some letter from right from the pension fund and they're trying to figure out what who I need to call to figure out what to do with it and how does that work and can I roll that over? Or, you know, there's lots of questions surrounding it. It's not as, as cut and dry even as, as just rolling a 401k over always. So it's something that kind of gets pushed to the back and, you know, life moves on and you forget about it. So, you know, uh, certainly as you're clearing out the file cabinet, if you find one of those, it, it is a little bit of a hidden gem. Certainly it's, like I said, finding that $10 in the washing machine. So uh, pull that up and, and let's figure it out and see who we need to call and track that down and, and, and get those dollars working for you um, and make sure it's going to be productive in a retirement scenario. So something else that goes hand in hand with that, a lot of those pension funds, they're not always real friendly when you're trying to get the money out. Yeah. So they make it more complicated than it needs to be, um, put you through too many hoops, and people just give up. You know, or they, or they, they run out of time. They allocate you know, 20 minutes today to deal with this, and you know, all of a sudden it turns into a four-hour deal. So they'll deal with it later, and then later it never happens. I mean, I actually had a review with a client, and she's had quite a few jobs in her past, and there's all kinds of you know, 401Ks and pension funds and stuff like that. She had to spread everywhere. She comes in with an HEB bag just full of stuff. But there was this one small pension fund that had a cash value of about eight or nine grand, and she actually had gotten on it and had been trying to get it out, roll it over, do something with it for the past like month, and they were just running her in circles. So we got them on the phone, and I straightened them out in about ten minutes and you know, <laughs> got them going. But that, it, was, it was it was sad. It was obvious that they were intentionally being difficult in an attempt to not you know release the funds. So if you think you might have any of those hidden gems laying around, or you know that you do and you just haven't done anything with it, you know we'd love to take a look at it with you along with your overall portfolio. The best thing to do is to come to one of our dinner seminars and come on in, have a, a nice meal on us, 
get about a 45-minute presentation explaining what we do and what we can do for you. And if you like what you hear, then you can set an appointment to come in and sit down and talk with me. And here's the number that you can call or text to RSVP to one of those upcoming events, 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. You can call or text that number and let us know that you'd like to come to an upcoming event. We'll get you all the details and get a seat reserved for you. You can also go to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Learn more about the dinner and discussion seminars there. See the list of upcoming events and RSVP right from the website. That's ncwealth.com, or call or text 512-492-3800. Learn about taxes, the annuity trap, the problem with investing as if you're still working, and, of course, the big one, procrastination. And uh, make sure that you avoid making those common retirement mistakes. We'll cover all that and more at the dinner and discussion seminars here at Noble Capital Wealth Management ncwealth.com or call or text 512-492-3800. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Life is complicated. It's full of twists, turns, and complex issues. The last things you need when planning your financial future are confusing numbers and advisors who just offer you a sales pitch. We believe there's a simpler way to invest. Your financial future should be built on a plan that's made just for you. It's all about discovering your goals and designing a strategy that'll help you get where you want to go. And don't worry, we'll track your progress along the way. Stop wandering your way through your investing life. In the Austin area, reach out to the Noble Capital Wealth Management Team for help building a custom, comprehensive, and complimentary financial plan. Call 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or reserve a time to meet online at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour with Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. Let's get back to the show with your host, Walter Storholt. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. You can find us online by going to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Jess and Jonathan, I wanted to talk a little bit today about traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. It seems that I think a lot of people don't have a clear picture of whether they should contribute to one or the other or maybe even both. And so I wanted to kind of discuss how we can determine what's the best fit for you listening to the show today. So first of all, can you guys give us kind of that that 10,000-foot view, explain the difference between Roth and traditional? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, it's actually really straightforward. A traditional IRA, you contribute money to it, and it is, you know, the term is pre-tax. But basically, at the end of the year, you claim it on your tax return as right. a contribution, so you don't pay tax on that amount. And now that account, assuming it grows, grows tax-deferred. So the money that was put into it has not been taxed. The growth has not been taxed. And then at the time that you start to take money out, it is just it's income. So no matter what you pull out, it just becomes income. It gets lumped in with the rest of your income, and you get taxed on it at whatever rate you're in at that point. A Roth is basically the opposite of that. So you get paid, something's left over, you put it in the Roth. It's not something that you can deduct or not pay tax on at that point. That money's already been taxed, and now all the growth is forever tax-free. Not tax-deferred, but tax-free. 
yes, growth and distributions that you take from that uh, basis and growth. So, so they're also they're not they're not subject to RMDs, required minimum distributions, because there's nothing to tax. And favorite way of accumulating for the future is is tax free. Now the question is always which one should I contribute to, and the question is answered based on the circumstances that you're in. So usually it's both. Um, I like to get a good blend of tax deferred and tax free. It helps you in the short term sometimes on your taxable income, and then it also helps us balance out your income later on so that we're not popping into the next tax bracket every time we give you an increase in income due to inflation or needs. Yep, it's really what can you stomach to pay taxes on today? And some people may not be able to contribute to a Roth, right? There's there's a threshold that's a little bit higher if you're married versus if you're single, but there comes a point where the IRS essentially phases you out. There so. is, and that's kind of it's kind of silly. I mean, the same guys that are writing these laws also make probably the amount of money that would raise them out of it so of course they come up with a back door yep um so you can contribute to an ira to a traditional and then immediately convert to a roth it doesn't matter how much money pay your taxes yeah pay your taxes so it's it's the exact same thing just one extra step i don't even know why they they put the limits on it anymore i mean it's anybody with a a little bit of knowledge can just work right around it yeah just have to work a little bit harder that's the that's the back door roth is that right Correct. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. It, what is reality? I mean, is reality that more people are contributing to traditional versus Roths? Are the Roths being underutilized in your mind? I believe so. I mean, everybody, everybody's stuck in this tax-deferred mindset. Um, it, it helps me today. It's less tax right. I've got to pay today, so I get to put it somewhere else, and then it grows tax-deferred. All you're doing is kicking the can down the road. And to me, and you've heard me talk about risk before, there's various things that we consider when we're looking at risk for investments. One is... What is the risk that I'm not going to get the return that I anticipate? The other one is what is the risk that I'm going to lose my principal? But for me, I think the tax risk is the greatest one. What is the risk that 20 years from now or 10 years from now when it's time for me to start utilizing this tax-deferred income that we have a change in administrations and now the tax rates are so much higher that I would have been better off paying the tax now than later? Yep, and it's it's definitely just a – Here's what we've always done, sort of thing, as far as contributing to a traditional. I believe, you know, four one k operates very similarly, and that's something people often have happen automatically off their paychecks. And historically, those have been tax deferred rather than you paying the tax up front. Nowadays, they're coming out with the Roth four hundred one ks, and that becomes an option. But I think traditionally speaking, people think of the traditional IRA very similarly as the four hundred one k. So a traditional IRA makes a lot of sense. Get the tax break up front, put the dollars in. It's tax deferred down the road. We go, and they kind of don't don't give the consideration to the Roth just because it, it kind of hurts to pay those taxes up front, right? But yeah. uh, it can hurt a little bit more if you're paying to, to Jess's point a higher rate down the road, uh, maybe in a rate that you're not. We don't have today that's going to go up uh, higher than we expect to uh, due to you know changes in administration. So and not only necessarily potentially a higher rate. I mean, I. I I would venture to say we are probably in the lowest tax brackets that we're likely to see in our lifetime. Yep. So they've got nowhere to go but up. But the sad part about it is, you know, you'll hear me say this one example. Time after time, I had a younger client come in. Him and his wife were both about 50. And they had, between the two of them, almost $3 million in their 401ks. And they had like $30,000 in the bank. And that's it. Yeah. No, yeah. no you know, rental properties, no uh, brokerage accounts. And they're so proud of themselves. Like, look, we got $3 million in our 401k. So that's fantastic. Every penny that you spend for the rest of your life is going to be taxable, bottom yep. line. Yep, and we can try to help you convert some of that, but that's going to be a slow process, right, <laughs> exactly. over to the Roth, yeah, because right. we're not going to have you paying taxes at the highest bracket to do those conversions. So that's something we could talk about, too, is, is you know, how do I convert to mm-hmm. a Roth from a traditional, right? And, and when does that make sense to do that versus maybe not do that? Yeah, I had a client that it's, it hasn't been that long ago, about a year ago. He had probably a little over a million in his traditional, and he had just retired. And his CPA actually told him, just bite the bullet and convert it all right now. Do it all. Just yeah. Do it all in a Roth, and then you're good from now on. I'm like, yeah, but 
70 percent of that's going to be tacked at 37 percent right, like, right come on guys use your head here yeah that's that's not a great uh, advice from a cpa i mean I, that's that's something else but uh yeah it really is it's a it's a decision that you kind of make on an annual basis looking at your income for the year as you get towards the end of the year you know come october maybe kind of looking at what did i make this year what do i have sitting in traditional that I, that could be converted over to roth i mean just what can i stomach from a tax standpoint what makes sense how can i stay on those lower tax brackets and move some some of those dollars over and you, you don't have to do all of it in one account you could pick you know one dollar or a hundred thousand or a million dollars so Pick the amount that keeps you in the tax brackets that you're comfortable with and, and, and move it over and certainly talk through that with your advisor and CPA. But that's the time to do it and, and do it smart. Yeah, and then the next level of planning on that is to save enough back in non-qualified money so that the first year that you're retired or maybe even the first two or three years that you're retired, you can spin that down and start doing the conversions at you know, 10%, 12%. Right, interest, right. or uh, tax brackets there. So you can you can live off of your own money that's not taxable, and while you're doing that, because you have no taxable income coming in, all of your Roth conversions are making up the taxable income. I mean, you can go up to seventy, eighty thousand dollars and still be in the lower tax brackets very easily. Yeah, yeah. If a Roth conversion is something that you're thinking about doing or, or not quite sure about how to execute or you're wondering how does that fit into my overall retirement plan, uh, do take the opportunity to come out and check us out at one of our retirement dinners that we have coming up. We talk about Roth conversions, income planning, and a whole lot more. And it's a great opportunity to have a good meal in a comfortable setting and eventually take us up on the opportunity to come into our office and make an appointment where we can talk about uh, your Roth conversion and your overall income plan in detail. So take that opportunity opportunity come out and see us and let us help you out with your Roth conversions all you have to do to get in touch and to reserve your spot at an upcoming dinner event is go to ncwealth.com again go to ncwealth.com to see the upcoming list of events in the area and you can reserve your spot right from your smartphone or computer ncwealth.com your place to go online or you can call or text and ask for a spot to be reserved for you at an upcoming event as well 512-492-3800 if you want more details call or text that number 512-492-3800 jess and jonathan hold lots of events here with noble capital wealth management throughout the austin area teaching folks just like you about retirement planning about financial planning and making sure that you're well prepared for your financial future. And if you want to take advantage of coming to an upcoming event, you can attend one of these free dinner events by calling 512-492-3800. Again, that's 512-492-3800. Call or text that number or go online once again to ncwealth.com. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And that's all the time that we have for on this week's show. For Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, I'm Walter Storholt. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next time back here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. All opinions and information expressed by the speakers on this show are solely the opinions of those speakers and not those of Noble Capital or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. All opinions are based on information the speakers consider reliable. Opinions and information are provided as is for educational purposes only, cannot be guaranteed or warranted, may change without notice, and may not be corrected or updated. Opinions and information should not be construed as an inducement to invest and offer to buy or sell securities, nor as legal tax or investment advice, nor do they take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and are therefore not necessarily intended as recommendations suitable for you. You must make an independent 
decision regarding investments and strategies mentioned on this program. Neither the speakers, Noble Capital, or their affiliates guarantee any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all investments involve inherent risk of total loss. Strategies and investments fluctuate in price and value, and investors may get back less than they invested. You should seek advice from independent financial investment and legal counsel before making any financial or investment decisions. Transmission of information through this program is not intended and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you and Noble Capital. Information provided on this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. The provision of such information does not imply responsibility for or an endorsement of any third-party information, opinion, recommendation, or investment product. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is prohibited without the prior written consent of Noble Capital.